PEN Studios. This is a special edition of the Northside 9 featuring Mark Brody and Brian Mitchell. This special edition is brought to you commercial free by the Podcast Entertainment Network. By the way, um, hold on, I'll let you continue here in a second, but um, you want some breaking news? What? Anthony Rizzo traded to the Yankees. Wow. How about that? All right, carry on. You got momentum. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, Oh, wow. Rizzo going to New York, huh? Yeah, sorry. It just popped up on my phone. Oh, my gosh. Why? Uh, All right. That was the news yesterday that broke and started this whole huge sell-off of the Chicago Cubs. How you doing? I'm Brian Mitchell. Actually, I'm the host of Let Me Put a List Together with my good friend, Mark Grody. You know, we were doing our podcast yesterday and we heard the news of uh, first Anthony Rizzo, as you just heard, and then the sell-off of the two other big guys, uh, Javi Baez and Chris Bryant. My good friend Mark Rohde, of course, works for the score in Chicago, but and most of you know that now he's covering the Bears. But before that, he was in the thick of it all when the Cubs were were launching into a series of playoff games and then finally getting all the way to that coveted trophy that we've been waiting 108 years for, the World Series trophy. And Mark was front and center. Now, a little bit about my resume. You know, I've been a fan of this team since the early 80s. I love baseball. There have been really tragic times and horrible times like 2003 and the Bartman game in 1984 and Leon Durham under his legs. And, and then there's been the best of times. I mean, where we've, you know, made the playoffs a series of times and then, of course, a World Series win. I'm a diehard, you know. Uh, been to a thousand games in my life. I've actually been to several playoff games and the World Series and uh, I'm just kind of thrown off by what happened. You know, these are the big boys. These are the guys that we were supposed to build this huge team around and similar to the Red Sox, you know, get a get a couple of good World Series under our belt before these big wigs were traded. And now we won the 2016 World Series and news, you know, it's got me pissed off. I'm sad. I'm confused. So I thought there'd be nobody other better than to turn to my buddy Mark, who's he's been involved with this team professionally on so many levels. I mean, he's been in the locker room. He's done pre and post game with them. He's actually been to the World Series, knows these guys personally, knows their personalities. So I thought, what a better way than do an emergency Cubs podcast and get these questions answered from a guy that I know can give it to us straight. So Mark Rohde, thank you so much for joining us on this emergency Cubs podcast, bro. (laughs) It is an emergency, man. I mean, this is something dramatic change has been coming since I would say since after the 2017 season maybe even more after 2018 when there was good regular seasons but a fail at the end of regular seasons and subsequently in the postseason so we we have been sort of warned by Theo Epstein and then after that Jed Hoyer that something was coming I don't think any of us foresaw that it was going to come all at once. Mm -hmm. That all of these, we thought maybe Chris Bryant would be gone one year. We thought maybe Anthony Rizzo one Mm -hmm. year, maybe Baez in past years. Obviously, the pandemic slowed some of the slow roll of this last year. Like some of this could have happened prior to last year had there not been a pandemic. But it and it it should be pointed out, too, that in June, the Cubs were in first place. Mm -hmm. They lose 11 in a row. Jed Hoyer then comes on and speaks to us, the media, and says 
uh, I had been thinking about buying, and now I'm thinking about selling. So it is ironic that this team was in the driver's seat to be the one perhaps making major additions to the team. Instead, they subtracted yeah. everybody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's the first question I was going to ask you was, being in first place, I mean, I, I'm out of uh, the Chicagoland area right now, but uh, I did actually get a chance to go back early June and see the first Cubs game after, you know, post-pandemic with my kids. And, and it was just so much fun. I mean, they just, it seemed like the life was back in this team, that they were getting ready, as you said, to add on, to make a serious run for this, uh, the playoff season, come back and in July, you know, everything falls apart and here we are. So that was the first question I had for you. Like, does that collapse actually play into the big sell-off? And of course you just answered that. Yeah, it, it does play into it. And it's crazy because the Cubs had been, it took me a while to buy into the Cubs this year. And it got to the point where I was buying into them mm-hmm. because they did sweep the Los Angeles Dodgers. Mm-hmm. They did win a series against the San Diego Padres, a couple series yeah. against them. These are these are big time teams this year. But the one thing was, if you want to talk about the 2021 Cubs from the beginning of the season, one of their first moves was to trade their best pitcher, the runner up for Cy Young, mm-hmm. and that's you Darvish. Yeah. And so that that left us all shaking our heads. Not only did they trade you Darvish, but they get back Zach Davies, who is a starting pitcher in you know a three to five in a rotation, and then a bunch of young prospects that nobody had ever heard of. So that's the the way the season started. And then you go into the year with Kyle Hendricks as your only mm-hmm. actual qualified starter. You go in there with Zach Davies, Adbert Alzali, Jake Arrieta, and Alec Mills. That is no way to, to tell your fan base, to tell your team that this is going to be a winning year. So that the the you could you could start pardon the pun right there with the starting pitchers that we should have foreseen this team with a with a slow decline and it ended up being a fast decline in the way of eleven straight losses. Do you think that Jed had this concept like okay so we have this uh, you know we're rolling we're in first place we're beating these great teams with this uh, for lack of a better term you know really rough pitching staff. Do you think that he was just going to kind of take that gamble and then if they did get to uh, to the trade deadline as you said it would be a buying season did you think do you think that was his initial plan that hey if these, they keep this rolling we'll try to get some some decent starting pitching and, and see how far we can take this would you say yeah that? yeah I think the, yeah that's a good question because I think that with, with a philosophy of Jed Hoyer and, Th- and Theo Epstein before him has always been and, and Hoyer was carrying this on was if my team is good I will reward them by adding on players. They did that when they added on Nick Castellanos a couple of years ago. That was another. So, okay, if these guys are good, I'm going to I'm gonna give them a treat. It came in the form of Nick Castellanos. Then it was Craig Kimbrell who took a while to get going. Okay, you guys are good. I, I, we are going to add that piece for you because you've shown me that you guys are good enough to compete. It did get to that point when the Cubs were in command in first place in June. That was the thought process of Jed it was, and a lot of us wondered out loud, will they add on or will they still break this thing down because of what has happened in, you know, sin, again, since 2017, when things broke down either in the postseason or in the regular season. Remember the year where the Cubs lost the, the one game playoff, so to speak, mm-hmm. the, one, the 163 game against <laughs> the Milwaukee Brewers. And then yep. the next day they lose in the wild card to Colorado. That was awful. That let was me, Mark. Let me tell you how dedicated I am with these Cubbies. All right. That one play 
playoff game that you just spoke of uh, against Milwaukee. I And people that don't know me uh, and don't know our podcast, let me put a list together. I live in Minnesota right now. I live in Minneapolis. So I'm about six and a half, seven hours away. So when I found that one day playoff game was going on, I woke up at six in the morning, drove all the way to Wrigley Jesus. and went and saw the game and then drove all the way back. Uh, of course, with my head hanging low in tears oh. in my eyes. Okay, it didn't get that far. but And I was very friendly with the Milwaukee fans. I was like, hey, good job, you know, way to go. And then, you know, and then that was the end of that. But All uh, of that and also Brian Mitchell's husband, Brian Mitchell, father of two. <laughs> and he, he made it home to continue to be dedicated to his family after being dedicated to the Cubs. Yeah, I love it. Absolutely. I, I love my Cubs. So uh, questions I have for you now, we've covered a lot, but I guess people want to know right now and what your thoughts are on. So the guys are gone. Is this a rebuild? Like wh- where where do we go from here? Judd Hoyer, who for people who don't know, is his title is the Cubs president of, of baseball operations. He's in charge of everything that happens on the field and the players that they acquire trade and do whatever with. He said to us a couple of months back that this was, even though they had planned to sell off before they did sell off players, that he didn't like using the word rebuild, that essentially this was not a rebuild. Now, since he has done what he has done in trading Anthony Rizzo, Craig Kimbrell, Javier Baez, Chris Bryant, Ryan Tapera, it goes on and on and on, um, and a couple of other relievers as well, how could one not look at this and say that it is not a rebuild. Now, Jet Hoyer is still, still, as of a couple of days ago, when all of this went down, he's still shying away from the word rebuild. And here's why. It's because if he so chooses, Jet Hoyer could, and he has said that he is serious about the possibility of bringing some of these guys back still, that you could still, I mean, all these guys become free agents. Anthony Rizzo, Javier Baez, Chris Bryant, all free agents. It, it's possible that, or at least he said that he would be earnest and serious in still keeping the door open for any of those guys to return. Also, with all of those, those guys off of their financial books, so to speak, if they want to spend money in free agency on any players, even beyond the ones that they have traded, they can do that, and that would be a the proverbial quick fix. Now, he didn't rule out the possibility of gardening these guys in the farm system and letting them grow and then bringing them up for a couple of years. And that would connote some form of rebuild or having to accept not being a great or first place or playoff team for the next couple of years. So I, I still, Brian, I, it, to me, it is a rebuild until yeah. further notice, unless something dramatic happens the other way. You don't get rid of Rizzo, Kimbrell, Baez and Chris Bryant and then say, yeah, we're, we're still going to be competitive and we're still going to win. It's a rebuild. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, looking at uh, you know Rizzo's first time in a uh, in a New York Yankees uniform and you know getting up to bat and just smacking one out of the park, I uh, yeah, that kind of you know why not put the dagger in me? You know, and it's, just, it's just so it's just so. Oh, Do you know he just, was wearing Cubs batting gloves when he did that? Did no, you know that little part too? Yeah, he did little ode to Chicago. He he kept his 
his his Cubs batting gloves on just as a nod to you and Cubs fans everywhere. You know, my son, uh, Jet, who is my littlest guy, he is uh, a Chris Bryant fan. And uh, his birthday was uh, just in July. So what he wanted was a fathead. And he wanted a fathead of Chris Bryant. And oh. so now we got a fathead of Chris Bryant in a Cubs uniform, huge, as big as, you know, his, his base, uh, his wall. And uh, so hopefully he'll be able to, to deal with that a little bit. I got something for you here. So here, here's, so he, he is with San Francisco now, is Chris yeah. Bryant, as you know. The, the San Francisco Giants come to Wrigley Field in August. Yeah. That means the return of Chris Bryant. So maybe you get in that car years again <laughs> and you drive it all the way west with a little jet and you guys <laughs> oh wait a minute. Come here to Chicago. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm getting my own geography yeah. confused. And you let little jet just love on Chris Bryant in a yeah. different uniform. Or would that just hurt you too much? That to probably that? would hurt me. Okay. I'm well. sorry. I'm not all right, here to so hurt we, so we so we lo- So we lose Rizzo. We lose the big three. The Trinity. We lose Rizzo. We lose Lose Baez, we lose Chris Bryant. What the hell? Do, what are we getting in return for any of this? I mean, do we have any positive things about these trades that we made, or was it just the sell-off and and you know let's let's keep some money or let's how does this work? Yeah, let me give you the the rundown without getting too into the weeds and the minutia because they're going to be a bunch of players that people have not heard of. But the Anthony Rizzo trade to the Yankees, I think, is the one to focus on in terms of what they got back. They got back a right-handed pitcher named Alexander Vizcaino. Got a big fastball, um, a terrific changeup to go with it. So I, I am not saying that he's going to be a star in Major League Baseball. He's one to track, one to walk in the minor league right-handed pitcher the other guy they get for Rizzo is definitely a prospect but I like the dimensions he's six <laughs> six um, he's Kevin Alcantara he's an outfielder but just 19 years old huge upside but that's at least I think at least three years away from from being ready now the other the other one was and we haven't really talked about this that much Craig Kimbrell was mm-hmm. traded to the White Sox yeah. and they did get in return for Craig Kimbrell, two major league players, one Nick Madrigal, the other Cody Hoyer. I've watched a ton of Nick Madrigal with the White Sox. He is a contact. He's a 300 hitter. He's a contact guy. He's tiny, small guy who's going to get singles and doubles, not necessarily home runs at this point in his career, but he is the prototype of the player, of type of player that the Cubs have been missing in this run, and that is a guy who makes contact, a guy who does not strike out. So you got to circle Madrigal. Cody Hoyer had a great year last year for the White Sox, has not had a good year this year, but he is young and he can be, I think he can be a closer someday. So I'm optimistic about those guys. And then one other name I'll give you because there's so so many names of people that that, that they don't know. And I'll try to track these guys as we go along. But Chris Bryant um, traded to San Fran for, and one of the guys that they traded him uh, for was right-handed pitcher, a fellow by the name of Caleb Killing who has tremendous control, doesn't walk guys. Think Kyle Hendricks in that regard. I think he's got a better fastball than Kyle Hendricks, but completely under control. So I I would just circle that handful of guys right now. There will be other guys that will show themselves that we'll learn more about. And usually in these cases, when you get about, you know, 10 to 15 new prospects, maybe one or two will actually Mm -hmm. blossom and be something in the big leagues. Absolutely. So, I mean, now you're with the Bears, of course, and, uh, you know, you, you cover the 
Bear is great. Uh, you were an awesome pre and post guy uh, for the Cubs during that whole uh, playoff into the World Series run. So I, I guess maybe we should tap into a little bit of your Bears knowledge. Now, you know, we grew up during the 85 Bears with the Super Bowl. I mean, is this the 85 Bears versions of the Cubs? Because, I mean, they only won one World Series and it's been, you know, how many years since 2016? I mean, is that is that like a fair comparison? Should the Cubs have won multiple World Series? I mean, what what stalled, you know, their greatness, as we talked about earlier, like the Red Sox who came back and, you know, banged out a couple before, uh, you know, they broke up their their crew. If the Cubs are thought of as the the 80s Bears and then ultimately the 85 Bears, the Cubs will be lucky because to this day, the Bears are revered and loved and thought of as the best thing that 85 year. The only thing that comes close to it or does usurp it is what the Bulls did with winning mm-hmm. six titles. I mean, that that yeah. is the best thing that you and I have ever seen. And, that's, <laughs> and if anybody says differently, they're crazy. crazy absolutely. But, but for one year, that 85 team captured the imagination of fans. And to this day, I mean, we talk about it on sports radio to this day as the template for Chicago sports and toughness and the NFL and the best defense of all time. So if the Cubs are revered in that way, I think that they would be lucky and they would be <laughs> making tons of money too, as a lot of these ex-Bears are. Now, the idea of, and because a lot of people have said that, like this is a disappointment and the Cubs should have won two World Series. Uh, the, uh, the last time a team won back-to-back World Series, for example, was a, a version of the 90s Yankees. It doesn't happen, man. Yeah. The Boston Red Sox, yeah, they won three titles in whatever it was, seven or ten years. I don't have that right in front of me. Mm-hmm. They were successful at it, no doubt about it. The Yankees with all their titles in the night, but that is a rarity, man. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I fight this notion mm-hmm. every time it comes up. There, there is no way one can be disappointed with what the Cubs have achieved and going to the playoffs year after year after year getting to the getting to the NLCS Brian three times no no mm-hmm. twice yeah. uh, wait 15 no excuse me three times 15 16 and 17 mm-hmm. you get to the NLCS and you win the World Series in 2016 this has been nothing but a hugely successful era of Cubs baseball did it end sooner than I thought it would end of course of mm-hmm. course I mean when you when when 2015 is around and all these guys are about 23 years old mm-hmm. you think the window is about seven years or so it was stunted a little bit I thought but to call it anything less than a huge success is ridiculous and you can get into what the disappointments are and 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 we're doing some of that right now but I feel like comparing them to the 85 Bears and you know it's hard to win World Series and I find it quite frankly I find it kind of antagonizing when people do that they won the damn World Series for the first time in 108 years I mean right I mean they, they, they ended all the silliness that went on in the Cubs organization and the fan base with curses and the heartbreak that you endured as a fan (laughs) and that we all did year after year, all that silliness Mm -hmm. was wiped away with this era of Cubs baseball. I mean, there was, there was nothing like, uh, you know, coming up as a Cubs fan and, you know, one of the the ones that sticks with me the most is I just remember uh, living in Chicago at the time in an apartment and I was moving on the days of cup, you know, when they were doing the playoffs. And I remember just having my, 
my TV set up. We made sure cable was working, and uh, I was sitting there, and I was just like <laughs> on my my bed that wasn't put together, watching you know Carrie Wood and Mark Pryor yeah. try to steer these guys uh, to their first World Series, and it was I. Those are the only games that I watched with a stomach ache. I mean, mm-hmm. I really had a stomach ache watching yeah. these, and we we just thought that was that was going to be the year. We just thought that was when it was going to happen. Of course, when that all fell apart, you know, a number of years after that, thank gosh, we have uh, 2016. I mean, that got serious too to the last game. So, um, you know, from your experience, you know, being the pre and post guy from, what was it, like 2015 to 2017, right? Correct. Yep. So, you know, what was it like watching these guys blossom into some of their hottest years? Because I'm sure you followed them just as a reporter uh, with the score before you were assigned to the Cubs. So what was it like watching these guys, you know, come into the Cubs and and really for those two years that you were there for like the heart of the the success, what was it like watching these guys thrive and, and, you know, handle all of this pressure? What was their personality? Personalities. Yeah, 2015, man, was a blast. The Cubs were, there were bigger expectations in 2015 than for the 2014 season when they sucked. But nobody expected them to win, quote unquote, mm-hmm. in 2015. It was a year where, hey, maybe the Cubs are 500 this year. Maybe they develop some of their prospects. And for half of the year, that's what I got to watch on a daily basis, seeing guys like one by one make their way to the big leagues. Addison Russell making his way in. Mm-hmm. Javier Baez, Chris Bryant, what a grand day that was. Wilson Contreras, all these guys making their march to Kyle Schwarber, making their march to big league baseball. And that was so exciting when we would get the text messages and the emails from the Cubs in our inbox saying, hey, heads up, Addison Russell is making his way. And we would get to report those things. And it was just so fun. Now, the season was interesting because they were exactly that. They were a middling team for half the year where they were 500 game above game below and then they just blasted off in in August and it was a series against San Francisco where they swept them in four games and, you know and, and the Giants were terrific that year and all of a sudden under Joel Madden they get this blast at the from August on and make their way into the postseason they win that one game wild card with the Kyle Schwarber home run in Pittsburgh and the great pitching performance by Jake Arrieta they dominate the Cardinals, which was unexpected. I mean, the wild card game is, is a coin flip. We yeah. know that. The the game, the series against the Cardinals, and the Cardinals were ahead of the Cubs in the regular season. That was a sign of the times because it was the Cubs unseating their rivalry in grand fashion. Um, and that was brilliant. And then they get to the Met series in the NLCS, <laughs> and it's just horrible. <laughs> they got uh, their asses kicked. Yeah. Uh, I will have to share a personal experience October 21st, 2015. Um, you know, Brian's like, like, hmm, that's that's the fourth game of the series. So they're going to sweep the Mets. Um, I want to be there when they go to the World Series. Yeah, of course. So sweet. I'm going to buy $400 seat tickets. <laughs> And I'm going to buy two of them because someone's going to, someone is going to pay that much to see the Cubs go to the World Series. Of course, you need a friend. You yeah. need a friend. Yeah. So I buy both those tickets, and I'm sorry, they were five hundred dollars a piece. Jesus. So uh, I sit on there, and game one comes, and loss. Okay, cool. That's fine. They, you know, a little rough. I'll, I'll still be able to sell these. Game two, 
Do you want to go? No, no, it's fine. I can't make it. Game three, lost. I'm like, couldn't sell these tickets, dude. So I'm like, I invited my nephew. I'm like, dude, you're getting a $500 seat ticket for free. I said, I'm eating this right now. I hope that we see a win. And I have to call, I always, when people talk about the 2015 last game of the season, it, I call it the funeral game because mm-hmm. it was nothing but a funeral. And of course, you have to have at the funeral game, the one girl that's there that's a, extremely intoxicated sitting right in front of you. Oh, and no. as the team is getting destroyed, She's turning around and going, come on, guys, we got it, we got it, we're going to do it. Everybody else is like, just sit down. (laughs) And she'd just get up. I'd be like, seriously, just just please sit down. No, we can't do it. But there is one, one positive thing that came out of this. Yes. And that is uh, my dear friend Mark Grody is uh, sitting in the radio (laughs) Booth. Yeah, my ticket was free, by the way. I don't uh, rub yeah. it in or okay, anything. No, please yeah. don't. Please yeah, don't. Sorry. Uh, I was, uh, Mark was in the radio booth, and I'm texting my good friend Mark, and he knows him at the game. And uh, I'm like, how are you enjoying this? You know, and of course, you're not having a great time. And, you know, Pat and Ron are making the call in front of you, and you're sitting back there just giving small updates. And so I'm like, hey, what's going on? And uh, you're like, yeah, not much. And then all of a sudden, I get a text you. Eddie Vedder is in the, uh, in the booth with me. And I'm like, I know your love for Eddie Vedder. I mean, there's like, seriously, I think there's like three people you love. Your mother, Santa, mm-hmm. and Eddie Vedder. Correct. <laughs> and it's probably not in that order. It's probably Eddie Vedder, your mother, and Santa. Don't so, tell anybody, okay. but yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so uh, I'm like, get a picture with him, please, because he's going to sing the seventh inning stretch. That's the whole highlight of this whole game. At this point, and yes. And I'm like, dude, I said, whatever you do, I said, make this game worth it. We are suffering. We are we are we are mentally challenged out here. I got a drunk girl in front of me who just keeps <laughs> annoying the shit out of me. I'm like, please, just get a picture with Eddie. And literally, like 15 minutes later, I think he sang the seventh. 15, 20 minutes later, all of a sudden, ding, and there is the picture. You looking like a uh, just an, a, a little fan, like just meeting your idol for the first time. You've got this glazed, sweaty mm-hmm. smile. Because it's hot in there and your face is all red because you're flushed because Eddie is just putting his arm around you and you guys are two buds, uh, best of friends. That was the highlight of, of that entire game. And of course, then we had 16 the next year, so everything was better. But that is one of my favorite moments in the funeral game. Oh, man. Yeah, no, that, I was glad you made me do that because I don't know if I was going to. And then we did it and it, it, Eddie looked like he wanted to be there. Yeah. So obviously I did. I looked like a prom date in that. <laughs> Picture, did, there is 100% no doubt. It's like, I always say it's the it's one of my favorite pictures and one of the worst pictures ever because yeah. it's just so <laughs> fanboy. It's just so, I am just adoring him. Yeah. You could see yeah. like I have like a little tilted smile. Yeah, exactly. It's a little embarrassing, but I also don't regret it but for a second. And you know, I, I have to say this, and I mean, I don't know if people know this about Mark, but I've known Mark 20 plus years uh, in my wedding with me and, and all of that. And, uh, and since the day I met him, I he always knew his um, his love for Pearl Jam uh, and especially the lead singer Eddie Vedder. I mean, I remember when we were working on radio together back in Chicago, you would always be like, hey, I'm like, what are you doing this weekend? You're like, well, I'm taking off. I'm not going to be working this weekend because I'm going to
going to both shows. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, I'm going to go to the one down here, and then I'm going to drive up to Milwaukee uh-huh. and go see them there. Right. I'm like, well, why are you doing that? Because they play different sets every time. So I get to hear, I'm like, well, that, that kind of makes sense. But no, that's what you would do. You would like see two shows here, and then you would drive up to Milwaukee, see the third show. And uh, I thought you were a little nuts, but, you know, uh, I did get to join you at a Pearl Jam concert. And uh, yeah. it was one of the uh, most impressive concerts I've been to. And it was in Wrigley. So I, I you can't you can't beat that. And um, so thank you for in- inviting me to that. And uh, I definitely got the Pearl Jam experience. Yeah, it's perfect. I will tell one one more Pearl Jam story. I don't know if I've told you this one or not. I, I probably have. But one of the days that Eddie Vedder came up in the booth, it was, um, I don't remember what season it was. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Eddie Vedder, for real, no joke, listens to, because he does live in Seattle, listens to a ton of Cubs baseball on the radio. He he listens to Pat and Ron call the games, like legit. So when he comes in, he's always like, hey, Pat, hey, Ron. You know, he knows these guys. Yeah, and he yeah. loves these guys like a fan, you know? <laughs> so he's sitting in the booth one day because he would sneak in just during normal, you know, games in the middle of the season. He comes in, he's sitting there quietly. He's kind of like in between my row and Pat and Ron's row. Mm-hmm. And Pat Hughes throws to me, here's Mark Grody with a few scores and highlights of what's going on around baseball. And I do the scores and then Eddie Vetter looks back at me and he goes, oh, okay, you're Mark Grody. All right, man, that's cool. Um, because he listens and he'd heard me and he put a face to my name and it blew me away. Like, he's like, oh, he, he kind of did. I know. Okay, I know this guy. Yeah. And I'm looking, no, 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 Eddie. It's you, babe. Don't worry about me. Don't worry about me. I'm about you. You don't need to be about me. You rock on. So that was like one of the most hilarious, like here I am just like uh, loving this guy yeah. since college yeah. and that he looks back at me, oh, Mark Grody. All right. Nice. Okay. So what about, now that is, that is one that I have not heard. And of course I know about the picture one, cause I was involved in that and made you get the picture with uh, Cubs fan, Eddie Vedder. Please tell everyone that's listening. Cause this is probably one of my favorite stories about you when you very first met Eddie Vedder and you were working uh, in Chicago radio. You weren't with the score. I think you were with BBM. Do you, can you tell the story of where you met him? Like in the hallway or what? What happened? Do you remember Yeah, that? so this okay. is probably like 06, 07, something yeah. like that. I am, as you said correctly, working full-time for WBBM, which means I covered all sports. I covered all Chicago sports, and I would go to games. That's what I did, not just the Cubs exclusively. Yeah. But in this case, I had been assigned to the Cubs game, and that night, Eddie Vedder had happened to be doing the, the seventh-inning stretch. I He was always closely guarded when he did these things. He travels with a bodyguard. People keep him away from everybody, all that kind of yeah. stuff. So I never really expected to be. I thought it was cool enough that I get to see him in person singing the seventh inning stretch. So I'm walking down the hallway up in the press box and there's a tiny little cafeteria that all the media eat in. And I, lo- I walk past and I thought I saw one man standing in there. I thought it looked like Eddie Vedder. So I do a double take and yeah, it's just Eddie Vedder sitting in this cafeteria. His bodyguard is with him. Now is there an aura around him, Mark, as you're, as you're, as you're yeah. glancing at him? It's like, oh! Yeah, I felt the energy. It yeah. pulled me back, literally. <laughs> it pulled me back. I must go in and I'm like, okay, I'm not going to not go into that room right yeah. now. You know, his bodyguard is there, you know, huge, massive man standing next to Eddie Vedder, who is not a big man. <laughs> I, I walk in, I'm like, oh boy. And the bodyguard kind of looks at me and, and I was like, I just want to say, and the bodyguard was like, all right, whatever. I don't yeah. care. So I just go up to Eddie Vedder and I said, Hey Eddie, I just want to introduce 
myself. My name is Mark Grody. I work for WBBM Radio. And he, he looks down kind of at my credential and he goes, Mark Grody. All right. WBBM. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God, that's awesome. And I go, I go, I go, yeah. I said, and I, I got myself together. And I said, uh, yeah. I said, I'm going to both of your shows this week. And he's like, oh, cool, man. I really appreciate that. And I... He, he goes, he goes, because he's fan friendly. Yeah. He goes, and he realizes that I'm a credible guy. I'm an actual yeah. member of a 50,000 watt radio station. He says, he says, all right, man. He goes, what are you looking forward to hearing, man? And I'm like, oh boy, this is my big chance. <laughs> um, and I said, I, I gave him like uh, a B side type of song. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like a deep cut. And yeah. it really is one of my yeah. favorite. Yeah. Pro- I said, I said, I'd love to hear Dirty Frank. And uh, he goes, <laughs> He goes, oh, man, I don't know if we could play that song. And and I had the gall to say, really? Why? Why why, why not? (laughs) And he goes, his answer was, oh, man, we haven't played that song in a long time. We haven't really rehearsed it. Yeah. So I was like, and then he goes, anything else? What else you want to hear, man? (laughs) At this point, I'm kind of flustered. I'm kind of like, So you got to go for something off 10, right? Yeah, 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 I did. I said, I go, I go, ah, alive? He's like, all right, man, I think we will. <laughs> and then I, then I just, I just, I let him be. And oh, I was like, all right, that's, that's it. I'm going to stop this. right. And, and I'll be damned, right? I'll be damned if they didn't play alive at the concert. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. That's hilarious. Oh, that is like, honestly, I've, I've heard that story before, but the way you just told it now, dude, I'm like, I'm tearing right now. So. That's word for word, man. Yeah, that's the way w- it went down. So we, yeah, I've come a long way in my relationship with Eddie Vedder. WBBM. All right. All right. All right, Mark. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Rock so, and roll, baby. You know, we got off on this tangent about uh, big Cubs fans like Eddie Vedder and stuff. So, you know, being a reporter, of course, and then also being the uh, pre and post game host, what, you know, individually, you know, the the trifecta that left us, uh, you got Rizzo, Baez, and, and uh, Chris Bryant. I mean, what were these guys like, you know, on the bus, backstage? I mean, maybe you can even, you know, pick a particular moment like uh, Rizzo and the World Series win. What was that like? Yeah, so I'll I'll, I'll try to make these quick and I Anthony Rizzo first of all that my last I had many many interviews with Anthony Rizzo and interactions and things like that on a professional basis but on the on the plane ride back from Cleveland after winning game seven you know they don't stick around they they celebrated they partied but then we all get back on the buses we get on the charter on which I was allowed to be I still don't know how they let me on but they did uh, for three years and I, so I'm on the I'm on the Cubs charter traveling back after winning the World Series on the airplane is the trophy the 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 World Series trophy and I you know I'm just kind of in happy to be there mode I'm not going to yeah. ask to touch the trophy I'm not going to get into the parties with the guys I'm going to sit there and order my food and and enjoy the flight back listen to some music and let those dudes party and whatever so Anthony Rizzo is right next to me in the aisle just like 
partying and holding the trophy up. And he, I, I was kind of like, I probably had this very anxious look on my face. Like, <laughs> oh my God, there it is. I want to yeah. touch that. I want to feel it. I want to yeah. be with that trophy. Yeah. Rizzo hands me the trophy, hands me the World <laughs> Series trophy. Wow. Wow. And I, he's like, here. I'm like, oh my God. And so I, I had it there and they let me like take a picture with it and hold, like nobody was trying to get it back from me either. They're like, hey, enjoy it, hold it, love it, do what you want with it, man. You're part of this. Yeah. Um, so that that's like my favorite Rizzo moment for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as Chris Bryant is concerned, what stands out with him is his accessibility. This is a, this is a superstar. Yeah. And at any time that I needed something from him in terms of an interview, he was available and willing to do it. And he was just great, like the nicest guy like you will ever meet in your life. Um, from the day from heck from from covering him in the spring training before he was even part of the team he yeah. was just phenomenal um and then Javier Baez like he was my favorite guy to talk to about baseball because every time I would talk to him like doing one-on-one stuff it was I was I just wanted to know about his defense yeah and the, the, the most memorable interview that I had with Javier Baez was I actually asked him the question just because I was hoping for an interesting answer I said why are you so good at defense and his answer was fascinating. He said, well, he goes, part of the reason is, is because I'm actually left-handed. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> um, you know, because he is, throws right, bats yeah, right. Yeah. He's like, I'm actually, or, or, you know, he said that he could throw with both. That yeah. he's, he actually said his natural side was, was lefty. And he mm-hmm. said that that gives him extra leverage when he plays defense and that there's no favoring one side or the other. But that, that blew me away. Yeah. And then the other, this is my other favorite, because because you could play anywhere, yeah, right? Yeah. On the, I said, what's your favorite position to play? Or what position do you truly want to play? He said, center field. So I want to be a center fielder. I'm like, he, he thinks that he that that's where he would have been best suited. Wow. And I asked Joe Madden, I said, hey, Javier Baez said that he, he'd like to play center field. And Joe Madden's answer was, that's great, but we need him on the dirt. You know, he, <laughs> yeah, he, he yeah. needs to be playing on the dirt. So yeah. those guys were great. I mean, there's many other stories, but that's just what stands out with those three guys. Yeah, I mean, uh, Javier Baez, uh, the, he's, he is a, a highlight reel every week. I mean, when he was playing with us, I mean, from the tags that he would make uh, with people trying to steal, uh, you know, sliding uh, his slides. and Unbelievable. Ta- I mean, I've never seen anything like that. I mean, I think the, probably some of the last th- stuff that I've seen like that uh, is, you know, on your Ozzy Smith kind of like level, you know, just just amazing. It's a great comp. Yeah. That's no, an unbelievable comp you yeah, just made. I mean, yeah. that's that's, I mean, that's it. That's it. I mean, you know, and not only that, but it's from a fan on this side, I guess, of the, of the wall, uh, you know, you being on the other side of the wall. I mean, the thing I think about Rizzo is basically a, um, you know, a lifetime cub, regardless of where he goes mm-hmm. and, and his, uh, philanthropy and his support of, you know, cancer patients and, and, you know, cancer research and all of that. I mean, him off the field is, is just amazing. Uh, Baez looks like he's, uh, basically he's a 14 year old kid that never grew up. He is constantly just having fun out there, having a great time. You know, he just looks like he's having a blast with what he's doing. And Chris Bryant, I think he is just, just the, um, you know, the perfectionist. I think he's just uh, always looking to get better, always looking to improve. There's always something to improve. And that's the attitude that I get uh, from Chris Bryant. And uh, that swing is just uh, so pretty to watch. His, his, I mean, everything is a home run swing with him. I, his, <laughs> his, his swing is beautiful. And um, 
we're really going to miss that, man. And, uh, you know, now that we're talking about those three individual players, do you see, I think you've hit on this earlier, and do you see them coming back, uh, you know, with, you know, free agency on the table? Do you see the Cubs, uh, you know, going back that way? I do not. I know that what Jed Hoyer said, yeah, I yeah. said that earlier, that Jed Hoyer said that he was serious about that, that he will keep the door open with those players and their respective agents. When you ask me now, do I think any of them will be back? No, I do not. And here's why. I think that all, all of them are attached to Chicago right now. There's no doubt. Chris Bryant had tears when he was told that he was traded to San Francisco. Anthony Rizzo, as you said, is Mr. Cub. Nobody loved Cubsness and Chicagoness more than Anthony Rizzo. He embraced it. He was a man of the people. And um, there's no doubt about it. Javier Baez wanted a long-term extension. with We know that all of these guys love Chicago, but they're going to get a taste of something different now, and they're going to get used to that. The, the Chris Bryant is with a great organization in San Francisco. We don't have to say anything about the plaudits of the Yankees where Rizzo is. The Mets have a terrific team this year, which is where Javier Baez is now. So they're going to learn life without the Cubs and that there is there are other places where one can go and one can be happy. So they're going to get a little taste of that. I also think that um, this is this is the time for the clean break mm-hmm. that they've the Cubs have been needing to go a different direction. And yeah, I've been look, I've been promoting all year that I would have liked to seen the Cubs re-sign Chris Bryant. But now that they have done this and they're going to have once they one once both parties have time away from each other, I think they're both going to realize that maybe for now mm-hmm. it's best that they are without each other. And who knows, sometime down the road, there could be another lap with these guys at, at Wrigley Field and with the Cubs. But and, and I could be wrong about all that, but my gut says none of these guys will be back. But it's a good question. Yeah, where's your gut at with and your opinion on Chris Bryant, Baez, and Rizzo and Jed Hoyer saying in his press release that we were going to end up in second, third, fourth place at best and I wanted to trade these guys so they would go with quality teams and have a chance for, you know, to to be on a championship team. What What, what is your opinion on that? Do you think that was really his, his feeling on that or is that just to kind of, you know, protect himself from angry Cub fans. There is that. I think he's genuine in what he is saying, that Mm -hmm. since he is as close as he is with these guys, and in particular Rizzo, it should be pointed out that Jed Hoyer was with Rizzo in Boston. He was with him in San Diego. And when Jed Hoyer came to the Cubs, the first person that he wanted on the Cubs was Anthony Rizzo for Andrew Kashner. So Jed has, it it wasn't, Theo loved Rizzo too, but it, it was Jed that the relationship existed with and really why Rizzo was with the Cubs. Not that mm-hmm. Theo didn't want him there, but it was always that relationship. So, so yeah, so Jed, Jed Hoyer likes these guys. He wants the best for these guys. He, of course, he'd like them to win a ring. But the, the real trick here is you might lose these guys to free agency anyway. Mm-hmm. You better get something for them before mm-hmm. they take off and go play for another organization and free agency. So the Cubs, more than anything, had to get something for them. And if they were going to begin this new era of Cubs baseball, what better players to attempt to attain something for than three superstar players. Mm-hmm. And again, we went through the names and the yeah. prospects of which 
we just don't know much about. Maybe they got nothing for him, but they also could have gotten their next core and and hopefully for the Cubs' sake, their next championship series. So, yeah, he, he'd love to see. I mean, let's face it. He, he did trade them to excellent franchises, and all of the franchises they've been traded to all have a chance to win the World Series. So he could definitely say that. But the bigger part is that the Cubs got something out of these guys instead of nothing. So, I mean, we covered the trifecta. So where I had, you know, I was talking to people um, you know, on social media and stuff and just chatting back and forth and looking at that. Where does David Ross play in this whole, quote, rebuild or that whole situation? Where do you see yeah, David Ross playing? That That's interesting because obviously I think his job, this is going to sound crazy, mm-hmm. his job may become easier in one regard that he is no longer managing his buddies. He was tight, tight, tight with Anthony Rizzo when they were when they were both players. I'd see them together all the time on the road. They were fast friends. Same with same with Chris Bryant. They, you know, and KB and Ross were close. Obviously, Baez was a part of that as well. So now this becomes more of David Ross's team. There's more ownership. There's probably more command. There's probably more, you know, his rules and, and not different rules for different players, which happens in any company and any organization. So, you know, certain athletes and employees are going to be treated differently. So in that regard, I think his job becomes easier. Um, I don't know that this is what he signed up for um, to all of a sudden find himself the manager of a rebuilding Cubs team. And who knows? Who knows what happens with Ross? Is he is he long for this job? Does he want to be here still? Do the Cubs want him here still? Theo Epstein was the one that hired him. Mm-hmm. Theo Epstein and now it is Jed Hoyer. And I know Jed Hoyer and David Ross are probably very tight too. So for all I know, Jed Hoyer wants him around for the next mm-hmm. 10 years, but I don't know that for sure. So the the Ross question is a good one. Um, this will challenge his managerial skills more than ever because he does not have that core of talent here anymore. Yeah, absolutely. So any other um, any other experiences that you have before we uh, close this out about with the, with the Cubs or anything you wanted to add before? Yeah, the only thing that I would add that to all of this, Brian, is that I think it's really interesting that the Cubs now twice have, and I like it, that the Cubs now twice have been willing to do business with their crosstown rivals, the Chicago White Sox. They once upon a time ago did it when they traded, the Cubs traded Jose Quintana to the White Sox for Aloy Jimenez and, and Dylan Cease, and obviously the White Sox have gotten the best of that. But now this Craig Kimbrell trade, which obviously enhances the White Sox, and probably the Cubs too, with Nick Madrigal and Cody Hoyer. So I think that's the only other thing that I'll point out, that there's a new way of doing business in this town, and you have two general managers in Jed Hoyer and Rick Hahn with the White Sox that ain't afraid to do business together. And I think that's good because I always thought it was silly that there had to be some sort of weird tax put on things because well, maybe there still is a tax yeah. put on things because they're in town rivals, but they're not afraid to do business with each other. And, and they have, I think the Cubs and Sox have helped each other out. Yeah, I really, I mean, honestly, from, you know, the early 2000s, even even before that, you know, I, I really think there was uh, a strong rival. And I mean, all you have to do is is look at, uh, you know, the Michael Barrett uh, Przinsky, uh fight that we always bring up, you know, sure. cross town uh, rival. I had a shirt with that because it was, you know, Barrett decking a Sox. 
<laughs> or, or AJ Przinsky. So, but um, no, I don't think I don't feel that anymore. You know what I'm saying? I, I really don't feel that. I mean, I'm not a, a huge White Sox fan whatsoever. I am a Cubs fan, so I'm not really a, a White Sox fan. But I don't have the the animosity that I used to have, like you know, in 05, 06, You know, that time where we used to you know play the crosstowns and it really meant something. And now it just seems like you know it's it's just business. Oh, they're playing the Sox today. Oh, okay, no big deal. You know, it's like. That's just how I feel. Yeah, I think the rivalry is still fun. I think it's still fun to get into, and that that could be the weekend where Cubs fans hate Sox fans and vice versa. Yeah. But I think the rest of the year, you know, both teams have won World Series in our lifetime. Yeah. The Sox did it in 05, and the Cubs did it in 2016. They're both winning franchises now, and it's they shouldn't be afraid. The fan bases are always going to be the fan bases, mm-hmm. but just to see the two companies in town do business together, it's good. It's, yeah. it's good for everybody. And yeah, there's going to be a winner and a loser in these trades. And, you know, the, the GMs are going to get slammed and like, what are you doing helping out the way? And I get some of it. Like some of that stuff is fun, but for the most part, it's what happened in this trade with two teams doing business, I think is healthy. I don't think I, you know, and just checking out social media and all of that, I did not hear, I mean, uh, the whole Kimbrel trade was just kind of like very quiet and just done. And I (laughs) didn't hear anybody, you know, say anything about that, about him going to the White Sox. I didn't hear anything. I don't know about you, but I, I really didn't hear any noise. I mean, I think everybody it was just so blown away by you know the the, the Trinity leaving you know and, oh yeah and so I think they were just so uh, you know affected by that that all these like little small time trades just really didn't come on a lot of people's radar. I mean, well, it's it, you know, you're absolutely right, but I will say this, that the Craig Kimbrell trade is right now the one that will most help both teams, but you're right. I mean, it, it's Rizzo, Baez, Bryant, mm-hmm. even White Sox fans could look at it objectively and say that that's your headline. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Mark, this has been great. You know, normally we don't uh, talk sports uh, and I know this is your cup of tea, so thank you for letting me ask you these questions about uh, the Cubs. I know a lot of fans have been affected by this and, uh, you know, they're maybe just looking for some answers. And I think you did a great job, you know, providing these answers as uh, not only a a lifelong Cubs fan and not only witnessing the World Series and working behind the scenes, but, you know, just giving us something that we can kind of hold on to until, you know, we do see uh, some, you know, fruit from these trades that we got or that possibly we see these guys come back, uh, you know, in free agency. So do you feel better or worse after this conversation? I, I feel, you know what? I honestly, I, f- I feel the same. <laughs> I feel the same. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's going to take a little while. It, I it, know. it stings. And uh, right. it, it's, it's going to take a little bit. But what, what I'd like to do, though, is hopefully, you know, maybe I know that this is uh, just kind of like a one-off that we're doing, but maybe at the end of the season, uh, you know, we'll take a look back and see what's happened from the trade to the end of the season. Maybe we could talk a little bit uh, about the Cubs then. All right, Mark. So thank you so much for your time. And don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, to listen to Let Me Put a List Together. It is our primary podcast that we do here for the Podcast Entertainment Network. It's all about nostalgia, 80s and 90s. So come and check us out. If you like music or movies or TV, that is the podcast you want to check out. Of course, you can check out Mark covering the Bears coming up this uh, season, 2021, uh, this fall, and he will be with the score. Other than that, that's going to wrap it up. My name is Brian Mitchell. You're listening to the Podcast Entertainment Network.
Thank you for listening to this special edition of the Northside 9 on the Podcast Entertainment Network.